Hello and welcome to Parently, where we tap into the unique experiences and perspectives of parents to celebrate the joys and honor the challenges of child rearing. With new interviews each week, this is a podcast for moms and dads seeking an empowering community and a little levity. Now here's your host, Kelsey Higgins. Hello and welcome to Parently. Today's guest is Logan Mitten. Logan, welcome to Parently. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. Now, I know that you're not a Parently listener. Do you think you'll listen to your own episode? I don't think so. I can't say much on recording. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard yourself like on a voice message or whatever, but like I can't stand to hear my own voice. It sounds so funny to me. I would agree with that. I have heard that there is some scientific reason for that that makes sense. The way we hear ourselves when we talk normally is different than how we hear than how other people perceive our voices. So when we perceive our voices how other people do, it weirds us out. I would agree with that. There's some kind of an explanation around it. Anyway, okay, well, that's fine. You don't need to listen to it. That's all right. We'll we'll take your words of wisdom and, and you can move on with your life. All right. But I'm excited to have you on uh, for a lot of reasons. One, I don't, not not for lack of trying, but I just don't get a ton of male guests and those are well-received episodes. So I'm thankful for that piece. And then you also have an interesting career that I think will be fun to talk about as well. So before we dive into all of those items, tell me about you. Sure. Uh, I uh, have, I grew up in Minnesota uh, in a suburb at the time was not so much a suburb. It was kind of rural at that time, but has hence become uh, more of a suburb, but grew up, grew up with, um, uh, like the nuclear family of a mom and a dad and two older sisters and uh, then uh, did the college gig after uh, going to high school. And um, like any 18-year-old, I had no clue what I wanted to do with my life after four years of college. And so I uh, got a degree in history and minor in economics, thinking that I potentially wanted to go to law school. Mm. So um but had no had no ambition to do it at the time. So I packed up my bags and moved to Alaska and lived with uh, my sibling and her spouse for a year and a half working on tourist trains in Alaska where I would, uh, I was a server. Um, and I have, uh, so tourist trains that go between uh, Anchorage and Fairbanks. And so it's these long days and worked some long hours uh, carrying soup on trains. So you can imagine how much fun that was. No and, kidding. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, I had this big, like bushy, curly, like super tight curl hair. And like, there's a lot of older um, guests on the train and like all these old ladies just loved my hair and they'd just be like this fawn- fawning over my hair. It was hilarious. But uh, <laughs> Could you earn tips? Uh, Yes, that's how I, I mean, it's just like any other serving job. That's how you earn your tips. So like, I certainly played that up a whole bunch. And so (laughs) my claim to fame was I'd come upstairs and I'd be like, hi, my name is Logan. Uh, Before you ask, yes, indeed, my hair is real. And they would all Um, just giggle. They thought it was the best thing ever. It was pretty Every time. Uh, (laughs) That's hilarious. So uh, after, I mean, I did that for a little bit and then, um, uh, moved back to the Twin Cities area and um, 
got a job at one of the corporate places here in Minneapolis and uh, worked for them thinking that I was going to pursue this whole law school thing. And I worked, ended up in risk management and um, was miserable. It was absolutely miserable. I hated it. I, I mean, anybody who uh, works at a desk, I, I have full appreciation for it, but it is certainly not for me. Uh, so mm. if my words come off a little bit, uh, sounding a little bit uh, against that, it's it's nothing against you. It's just it made my life miserable. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I did that for a, a number of years and decided that I just couldn't do it anymore. So I uh, started to pursue um, either nursing or teaching. And so I went back and I shadowed a nurse. And then I also um, decided that I I couldn't do justice to a classroom like some of the teachers that really made it come alive for me. And so I um, pursued nursing. And so I did a, a two-year program at Minneapolis Community and Technical College and uh, got a degree and then uh, began working in pediatrics. And I just celebrated 10 years at a, a pediatric hospital here in the cities um, of, of working there. And it has been the best career change I could uh, possibly imagine. That's amazing. And I love that it, you kind of just fell into it. So, okay. You've been in it for 10 years, which means you were, were certainly a nurse during the pandemic. I I'm sure we could have a whole podcast on that, but briefly, how, how was that experience for you? Was that pretty scary? Uh, so I think it was pretty in line with what most people experienced because the pediatric population didn't experience the same casualties and the same uh, difficulties as as other hospitals. So mm. uh, we actually saw our census completely plummet. Uh, we, we ended up having to um, furlough for part of our staff because the numbers just weren't there to support it. And they geared us up to uh, potentially support kids or actually adults, I guess, up to age 25 if it got to that point but mm. we never saw it. Uh, so ultimately the pandemic was probably a similar experience to most people, except for the fact that I got to continue to go to work, which was for me, it was kind of nice, uh, scary, but also kind of nice. We had, um, it was funny because the, the personal protective equipment that they had us uh, utilize was um, supposed to prevent all of the things uh, and, of contracting the disease. And so um, we were garbed up all the time and it was kind of scary until they kind of got a handle on things. So ultimately, I don't think it was uh, as bad as some of my friends who are in the field that uh, had to go through some atrocious things. I feel so Mm. bad for them. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Okay. What does a non-pandemic regular day at work look like for you? For me, I um, get up at five o'clock and have my breakfast, and I have been riding my bicycle to and from work year-round for 10 years. I think I can count on my hands the number of times I've driven a car. I think it's probably less than 10 times that I've driven a car. That is insanely impressive. So uh, <laughs> why? It, first off, for anyone who who didn't catch that uh Logan lives in Minnesota, so that's quite the feat. Is this your exercise, or what's what's the deal behind that? It serves a couple purposes. Uh, one, for me, it's um, 
it's very therapeutic for me to have that routine of riding my bicycle and it's four miles to work from where I live. And then on the way home, I'll take typically a longer route where I can uh, add an additional uh, five miles or so on at minimum. And it's just part of what I value, uh, the, the exercise of it. And then also just particularly coming home from work, it's a time for me to decompress. Um, I have uh, lost a few friends from my work. And so like, there's been times where I'll just pull over to the side of the road and, you know, just let out some serious emotion. And it's mm. uh, been really fantastic in that avenue. And then also just like some of the stuff that I deal with day to day can be really challenging. And so having that outlet of um, getting on my bike and just riding no matter what the weather uh, has just has been really fantastic for me. Do do you ever get strange looks from people like, what is this guy doing? No, I mean, the, the community in Minneapolis is very used to it. And uh, particularly my route home um, is very much bike lane dedicated. And so it uh, serves to make me feel safer being on these dedicated bike paths. And I also see people who are also riding. Um, it there are times when I question why I'm doing it myself just because it can be so cold, but ultimately like it's, it's just become such a part of my routine that it doesn't even phase me anymore. I love that. Okay. So four miles in, are you, are you, are you sweaty when you arrive? Do you yes. have to shower? Yep. They have, uh, the, the place that I work is fantastic. They provide lockers and showers. And so I shower when I get there and I go up and, uh, for the past seven years, uh, so I started off as a nursing assistant while I was in nursing school and then was a nurse on one of our medical surgical units for seven years. And so that routine was very much the same. But uh, as of this January, I started in our emergency department. Mm. And so uh, that was a, a little bit of a change for me <clears throat> in that um, it's it's kind of like taking a huge step back. Like you have your practice of what you've, you're used to and then now it's been uh, completely upended and I feel like a novice again. So it's kind of like learning all these new skills and all these new practices that I have to implement on a daily basis. And um, it's been really frustrating, but it's also been a, a good change for a, a, a new skill sets and different things to, to accomplish. Oh, sure. I bet that's a bit humbling too, because you sure. probably, you could do the other stuff in your sleep, right? Exactly. We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work, which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. While I do enjoy wearing makeup, I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun, bursting nutrient bubbles. 
Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash parently. Strip your makeup, not your skin. Now, back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins. What is the most challenging part of your job? Is that Would that be the most difficult part right now? Um, I'd have to say the most challenging part of my job. Well, that, that right now is uh, certainly a thing just because it's being humbling of the getting a little dose of humility of not knowing so many different skills and learning those things. But I think the hardest part in my job is uh, the kids that you, you, you can't really help or that you uh, see such sadness in their living situations that you, you want to do more than you can. Like, mm. like when I worked up on the medical surgical unit, uh, in particular, there was uh, some pretty yucky cases of like childhood abuse that you would see. And you just want to love those kids so hard and so much while they're mm. there and like to have to show them that there's some hope in the world and um there's one kid in particular that i had right before i moved to the emergency department who was the same age as my my own child and the things that were done to him were was really sad and um i the first day that i met him he came uh, up from our intensive care unit to our floor and he just wanted me to hold his hand. And so I sat Aww. there and I held his hand and I told him. And so I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Becky at all, but my wife and I are uh, pretty mm-hmm. big fans of what she has to offer in terms of childhood psychology and just different approaches to parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just got down to his level and I just told him over and over again, like, you're a good kid and you're important. And we, we, need you in this world and so like I those kind of situations are uh the hardest thing because it's like you see your own child who has this life of uh of parents who are trying our best to love him and do right by him and then you have a kid that has somebody who has just been neglected and you just feel for them and you want to give them everything that you can sure are you able to does that follow you home? Sometimes, yes. And that's what that bike ride home is for, is for unloading. Like the the day that I met that kid and I rode my bike home, I pulled over three times. And it was, I mean, it was early spring, so it was cold outside. But I, did, I needed to stop and just bawl my eyes out. And I did it hmm. three times on that ride home because it just needed to happen. And hmm. then... I got home and my kids are usually in bed by the time I get home and I just went in and I, and I looked at both of them, gave them kisses each. And then when I got up the next day, it's just like, you just, it just makes you want to love your own child that much more. Oh, it has been a father changed. Did you have similar experiences like that before you were a father? Uh, I didn't, I I started uh, at my hospital when my my first child was born, so I didn't, oh, okay. I didn't really experience that um, in the same. I guess I was there a little before he was born, so I 
I didn't experience it through the same way because I was the nursing assistant, so I didn't have the same level of uh, I felt intimate uh, interactions with kids that I did as a nurse, and so um, I felt I, I felt a different uh, a different pathway towards the the parents of the children. I felt at that time, like before I uh, before I had kids of my own, I felt like these people were evil. They're inhumane. Like there's nothing that they could be doing. But I've I've been as a parent since I've been in some situations where you have a colicky kid that's crying like crazy, and you mm. you're like, what can you like? You have to have the wherewithal and the and the knowledge to set them down and walk away. And when you're tired and sleep deprived, and if you're a single parent and you're trying to deal, navigate all of this for the first time, I can see how, how a a parent can, can snap, you know, like you you can see how they would have that moment of total, like just lapse in judgment and and potentially hurt their child. Not saying that Mm. I would ever do that or like (laughs) think that somebody should, but I can see how it can happen. Sure. Sure. So, and I I should have asked earlier, so you have two kids. So one would be what, 10-ish then, since you just celebrated 10 years? It'll be nine in September. Nine. Okay. And then your youngest is how old? She is 23 months younger. So she's going to be seven in August. Awesome. And do you love being a dad? Uh, it is a mixed bag. It's really. It was one of the I most, love it. Yeah, you get some truth bombs here from Logan. It was one of the most surprising things that I ever uh, experienced. Was that like these these uh, uh, what did I call them? I said I, I took some notes for myself. It, and it blind spots. That's what I wanted to say. There's there's some blind spots with it. It's like. I love kids. That's why I got into pediatric nursing. I worked at a camp in the summer times where I worked with kids all the time. I loved it. But those kids go home. Like those kids, mm. those kids are gone. And so like being a parent, like has shown me a lot of my blind spots of like, I'm not as patient as I thought I was. I'm not like, I slip into some unkindness from time to time. There's a, there's one instance where my son was a baby and I, we were invited to uh, a birthday party and I heard a dad say say something along the lines of you stop it right now and like was just getting after his kid a little bit and the kid's a number of years older I'm like I'm never gonna do that to my kid lo and, <laughs> lo and behold my son is the same age and I'm probably doing the same exact thing so it's like yeah. you, you it's just been enlightened so um yes I love being a parent and yes I hate being a parent <laughs> like it's, <laughs> there's and I guess my wife and I uh, shoulder a lot of a lot of child rearing ourselves. Uh, she's also in healthcare, and um, so we didn't have daycare growing when the kids were before school age. And so it was a lot of long days and a lot of long nights that we were struggling through things. Uh, certainly, we had some um, some support with family and stuff and stuff, but it you know it just sometimes didn't seem like enough. Yeah, that's actually pretty wild. So between you and your wife and your shifts, you made it work without and some help from from family, but you made it work without any kind of additional daycare. Yeah. Well, so when my son was first born, we had uh, 
him in daycare, but as soon as my daughter was born, 23 months later, we pulled him from that because there wasn't a spot, as I think a lot of parents uh, go through a similar situation where there's there's a hard, it's a hard uh, sell to find a place with two kids available and infants and whatever rooms are available. And so we ended up, um, yeah, pulling, having both of us, my wife and I juggling it so that it worked. And at the time I worked nights. And so it was just like, it's grueling. (laughs) Yeah. So it was, it was interesting. So you mentioned earlier, Logan, that you get up at 5 a.m. and by the time you get home, your kids are usually in bed. Yeah. So when are when do you get some time with them in the morning? Is it like the weekends are your your jam together, or like when when are you really getting good kid time? Oh, believe me, I get plenty of good kid time. So <laughs> I work, I work uh, four shifts every two weeks, and they're twelve-hour shifts. So they're, oh. long, they're long shifts, and the rest of that time. I am with them. Oh, wow. Okay. How do you feel about having a schedule like that? It's fantastic. I That's one of the, the biggest things that I've loved about healthcare is having a totally atypical schedule because I remember when I worked in the corporate world, it felt like butts in chairs for 40 hours a week and I didn't jive with that. Like I want to be, so by nature, I'm a little bit of an introvert. So I want to be places when there's nobody there and so like (laughs) during the week it's a little typically a little bit quieter to go to the grocery store or what have you and so um i really like the atypical schedule yeah that's awesome and then your wife does she also have a unique schedule still she uh works a much more nine to five sort of gig where she's working uh for four days a week. So she's Tuesday through Friday. And then she has the occasional weekend sprinkled in as well. And, uh, so, um, it, it has worked. And I think, um, there are times where she wishes she could cut back more and have me work more, but it it never comes to fruition. But for now, that's how we've been working it. That's, uh, that's honestly kind of the dream. I mean, it's, I think, I don't need to say it. I, I I know most people who listen to my podcast know that I just feel like our society isn't set up real well for for families and parents, and um, that I, I think that's really cool that you guys found a way to make it work well for yeah. your family. Yeah, it's been great. Okay, one thing I I didn't ask when we were talking about your your job, uh, we talked about what what's really challenging and and tough days on the flip side of that what I mean what keeps you coming back every day what is what is rewarding to you uh kids are hilarious (laughs) I don't know it's like you you get these you see such a vast array of of personalities and stuff and when you get the ones that you jive with you just have the best time ever so like you just you're hooting and hollering like I had this kid the other day who was like he slipped into a southern accent he must have been five years old (laughs) i mean got rid of all the long o's not bringing the boat down to the downtown and whatnot like he slipped into a southern accent and so he and i were just riffing on this and it was so much fun like he wasn't super sick i think he broke his arm or something so like he wasn't having the best day ever but we were just having a great time and uh so those kind of experiences are fantastic uh that's one aspect of what keeps me going at work, but there's also, um, 
certainly the fact that you are seeing sick kids and parents at their worst. And when I worked up on the floors, one of the big rewarding thing was that you would send these kids home and it was the best thing ever. It's the best day ever to be able to send a sick kid who has been hospitalized home with their parents. They're all smiles. They're excited to go home and see their sisters or their pets or their grandparents. And it's just fantastic to be able to do that. Um, and that's been really, really cool. That is um, sweet. So those are those are a couple things that I'm just like, that's what keeps me coming back. And then, I mean, I also have really fantastic coworkers. You you have it, I think, in every workplace. You have to find your people. But, like, they're, everybody has to work as a team. Otherwise, the ship fails. And so, like, the, the teamwork and the camaraderie is pretty decent uh, where I work. I mean, we have our gripes with how things are run and whatever else. But ultimately, like, you're there for each other and for these families. And that's uh, a really cool thing. Coming from cool. the, the corporate world where I where I didn't, I think what was really lacking for me was the sense that I was doing something. Like I was looking through insurance policies, and that really didn't resonate with me. It didn't it didn't make me feel fulfilled. And so moving to the healthcare uh, community has really provided that need for me. That's awesome. What would you? What kind of advice would you give to a parent? who finds themselves at, you know, in a hospital, maybe with a sick child, just not for whatever reason, let's say, you know, it's not any fault of their own. Uh, I can imagine that's a scary place, obviously for kids, but for adults as well. What, what kind of advice do you have if parents find themselves in that situation? I am not really in the advice given business. <laughs> I, I will tell you that I thought to myself, I thought a question like this might come up. And so uh, I was just going to say that like, a, <laughs> get yourself a nasal aspirator uh, before you get to the hospital. Like any new parents that are listening, get a nasal aspirator. The, um, Swedes, it's called a nose, Frida, developed this thing where you suck boogers out of a kid's nose. And yep. those, the bulb syringe ones that they give you when the kid's born, I we I never touched it. Yep. But like the the biggest thing that we do for kids uh, in the hospital is just suction out their boogers. One of the biggest things during respiratory season is, is that. And so, really? Yeah. yeah. And so like these things, like they're amazing. And I urge anybody <laughs> to get one beforehand and uh, the concept of them is kind of gross because like you're using your mouth, your own lung power to like suck out boogers. Mm -hmm. But like the thing that we do for kids in the hospital when they're there for respiratory stuff is suck out their boogers, make sure they're hydrated. And then just like, you know, there's some medical stuff that goes along with it. But like that is a, a big thing that I recommend to all my uh, expecting friends. All but, right. Hot yeah. tip from Logan. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. And you're right. It is kind of weird. I certainly, I'm, I'm typically more in charge of it than my husband. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't love it. And yeah. the, you know, to be honest, the babies, when they get a little bit older, it's a little bit better, but like the babies don't love it either. Yeah, but but then everyone it. is so much happier afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, but in, I, terms, in terms of like the being hospitalized and stuff is that like, uh, 
never, never like second guess yourself for bringing a kid in. Like I, I have parents that are like, Oh, did we, did we wait too long or should we have brought them in at all or whatever? Like any of these circumstances, you're the parent. If things don't feel right, get them in. If that's what you think is the best for them. And like, even like my wife, she works with, uh, at the county hospital and some of her friends at work are like, Oh, should we bring our kid in? And so she'll pull me. And I'm like, well, these are the things that I see, but like, ultimately it's your child. You have to make the best decision for them. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. like, it, don't ever, don't ever second guess yourself. If something doesn't seem right, it's not going to hurt them to bring them in if they are like, if they're fine, but if they're sick, it's better that you have them there. Right. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Logan, I don't, I don't think of myself as, as somebody who runs to the doctor every time if something is wrong, but I will tell you, I brought my son to urgent care when turns out he just slept on his face and <laughs> half of his face wasn't working. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so the doctor kind of gave me a little bit of grief for that, but but still like, I mean, if it's not, if something doesn't seem right, like you're, you're never going to beat yourself up for bringing a kid in that isn't sick. But if you brought like didn't bring a kid in and they're they're ill and they're like yep. suffer from that that's I mean I think you'd probably beat yourself up more from that than anything else totally yep that's important perspective yep I like that good one Logan yeah and then the other thing too is that like I mean from a nursing standpoint like we we try to stress particularly to new nurses and I think some of the older nurses kind of lose sight of this a little bit is that you're seeing parents probably at their worst. So if they're having a hard time and they're taking it out on you a little bit, I mean, they're scared. Their, their kid, their baby is in the hospital. So it's like, that's one thing that like, I try to like any new nurse that comes on, it's like, I try and instill that into them a little bit because I've had people that are like, Oh, that parent is awful or whatever. It's like, well, put yourself in their shoes for a minute and like think how awful this must be for them. Mm, sure. Yeah, that's that's good too. Um, so I I I just feel like you you have to nurses are a special breed of people. <laughs> that's what I think. I think yeah. uh nurses are kind and patient and selfless a lot of times and I am just real thankful we have people like you around, Logan. Well, thank you. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't see myself ever doing anything else because it's just been such a fun ride. Like there's been ups and downs and turns and everything in between, but it's just like, it's it's such a great, a great profession. And anybody who's thinking about making the switch, like there's, there's so many different avenues that you can go with nursing too. Like, I mean, you get a nursing degree and there's just limitless almost it feels like different areas you can take it with with and it's uh um something that i just think is a great a great place to be good good plug out there for anyone who's who's considering it i yeah. like that you have me considering it no you don't i couldn't <laughs> <laughs> i i um just like you said you know i couldn't sit at a desk all day i man i don't like I, you probably don't deal a ton with it, but like blood and. Oh yeah. All the time. Oh yeah. Okay. Nah, I'm, I'm out. All the stuff, all the bodily, bodily fluids. They don't bother me at all. Yeah. Well, uh, again, 
I'm thankful for people like you, Logan. <laughs> uh, Logan, is there anything I didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about? Uh, I want to make a plug for anybody uh, with mental health issues and mm. uh, to seek mental health. It's um, something that has become near and dear to my heart just because of uh, the loss of some friends at work and uh, some of the things that I've dealt with um, either at work or outside of work that I'm so glad that the stigma of uh, seeing a psychologist or a mental health provider is becoming far more normalized and okay. Like when I told my parents that I, my parents are boomers and I told them I was going to go see a psychologist because I needed to. And they like, immediately was like, well, it's nothing that we did. Right. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> you know, it's, it's my own stuff that I'm trying to deal with. And like, like when mental health stuff runs in your family or whatever, like just it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to talk to a, a impartial person that can give you some sound advice and uh, feel better about yourself and take the steps in the right direction. One thousand percent. Thank you for that plug. I I love that and I love it even more coming from uh, a man because I've there's even more stigma around that. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Cool. Well, Logan, it has been a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, I think we could keep going and going, but I, I you know, I know you got to probably help get those kids down or did they get down without you? I, they've been silent. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> they're either, they're either sleeping or something really bad is happening. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks, Logan. Yeah. And to all of the listeners, thank you for joining as well. Please tune in again next week for another insightful conversation. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time.